So I plan on, I mean, this is an impossible task, but I plan on covering Isaiah 40 through 55 tonight and 56 through 66 next week. Um, and I think that takes us through, that leaves us maybe one week, and I might look at a couple of New Testament, uh, significant New Testament uses of Isaiah, which um, I should mention, after the four weeks uh, when we're done with Isaiah, um, that takes us through to the church vacation. Once we get back from the church vacation, we're going to be going through Romans. And it's, I am so glad that we've spent so much time in Isaiah. This is one of those places where the reading, the, the lineup of the reading is, is I think, providential. Um, because reading through Romans, having read Isaiah, mm-hmm. makes a ton more sense. Uh, Paul hangs a lot of his arguments and lines of reasoning in Romans on, he, he, he presupposes a deep understanding of Isaiah. Remember when we started Isaiah, I said one of my goals for us as a church would just be to, out of sheer imitation of Jesus and Paul, we need to be steeped in the book of Isaiah. Jesus was steeped in the book of Isaiah. Paul was steeped in the book of Isaiah. If we just want to be like them, which we should, Scripture calls us to, um, we should follow them into the book of Isaiah. So I'm excited for that. So I'm not going to try and cram every little thing or ring every little... Uh, thing out of these scriptures because you simply can't in the time that we have but also we're going to be back in here quite a bit in as we go through romans so i'm i'm looking forward to that we're coming to the end but we're not really coming to the end of isaiah all right chapter 40 this is sort of you know if you follow the the division of the first 39 books and the last 27 books of isaiah it roughly divides it like the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. And Isaiah, I don't know, again, it might be providential that, that it was numbered that way. But you could say that chapter 40 begins the New Testament portion of Isaiah, the gospel portion. Just to review quickly, we left off last week with Hezekiah and the, uh, the exile, the, the looming exile, right? And, and not much happens. T.S. Eliot would say it ended not with a bang, but with a whimper. <laughs> Hezekiah's reign ended not with a bang, but with a whimper. He just said, okay, you know, exile is decreed, but all right, so what if it's not in, in my time? But in chapter 39, verse 5, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming. When all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. You want to show off all your stuff? Guess what? It's all going to be taken to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away. And they shall be eunuchs in the place of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought there would be peace and security in my days, which is a sermon in itself, that sort of attitude. Um, but it's weird because then in chapter 40, we don't get a, <laughs> we're not into exile then. What, what do we have in chapter 40? Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. It is like we've taken the leap from 
the Old Testament, how the Old Testament ends, the book of Malachi, and how the New Testament begins, right? I just want to read real quickly the beginning of Mark. Here's how indebted we are to the book of Isaiah and our understanding of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. When Mark wants to tell the story of Jesus, he begins in Isaiah 40. And so should we. we. Our understanding of who Jesus is really should begin with what God is up to in dealing with his people at this point in time. So, chapter 40 through 55, we said all the way back, I said all the way back when we, when we introduced the book, that the major theme of this section is comfort. Comfort and, do you remember the, the second thing? Comfort and... Anybody remember? Got your notes handy. Yeah, comfort and its cost. Comfort and its cost. So all through here, there's just glorious passages of how God is, in fact, not abandoning his people by sending them into exile. He is taking a step forward in his covenant with them. All right, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But this is also the portion of Scripture where... You get the servant songs. You get chapter 53, which we've, which we've touched on a number of times, where it's going to be because this servant comes to suffer and take on the sins of the people, take on all of what they deserve, that's going to be how God can finally come and redeem them and bring them back out of exile and forgive their sins. All right? So comfort in the form of return from exile and forgiveness of sins, but at the cost of the life and the obedience and the the suffering of the servant of the Lord. I want to go back to Deuteronomy because I think think it it helps to understand some of the things that God is, is trying to underscore for his people through Isaiah. So, Exile has been declared, chapter 39. Suddenly, there's, there's uh, cries of comfort, right? Some time has elapsed, perhaps, but chapter 40 is addressed to a people who are in the thick of it, right? Who are, who are facing either impending exile or they're in the middle of, it, of exile. But tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Remember, this is where the covenant's being renewed. After the end of the wandering in the wilderness, they're getting ready to go into the land. Right? So something of a coming out of an exile, coming out of the wandering, going into the land. And the covenant's being renewed. And God says, he spells out the blessings for obedience. Remember this? Hey, here's all the things that will happen if you obey. Here's all the curses that will come on you if you disobey. Verse 15. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord or be, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. And he goes on and on. Verse 25. 
The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. Verse 28, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. And this should sound familiar to you. This is from Isaiah 59. You shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall be openly oppressed and robbed continually. Verse 33, a nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and of all your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. Verse 36, the Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you, will sh- you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. And you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. This sounds like, remember the taunting of the Rab Shaka, you know, that he... What's your God? You guys don't, you know, trusting in the arm of Yahweh. You, you, you have no reason to trust. You, he, he will not come through for you. You shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather little. The locust will consume it. You will plant vineyards, right? This is familiar imagery for readers of Isaiah. You will plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine or gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. That's... The last verse of Isaiah is about the worm consuming those who disobey. All right, so none of this is new. All right, none of these um, curses, none of the punishments, none of the judgments are new. In fact, they are 100% what God had already said would happen if his people did not obey. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I have punished you. Okay, and here's here's what the people of God needed to hear at this point. Uh, Go to chapter 49. Nope. That's not, I mean, that's really good, but that's not worth it. Oh, maybe it is 49. Oh, yeah, yeah. Verse 13, Isaiah 49, 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Bring forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. We're here in exile. 
God's abandoned us. He's driven us out of our land. This is not, this is not what should happen with the people of God. What kind of God is this? And then listen to the response. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those whom laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather, they come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. and You shall bind them on as a bride does. And there's, there's several, this is one of them, but there are several passages in here where God's saying, you think that, that exile means that I have abandoned you, means that I've become unfaithful to you. In fact, exile, all of these curses, should be proof to you of my absolute faithfulness to the covenant. Because what did the covenant say? If you disobey, all of these curses will come upon you. You'll be driven out of your land. It will be really bad for you. Right? That's part of the covenant. So God's not abandoning his people, which is what they're accusing him of. God is saying, "Uh, hello, I'm the only one doing what I said I was going to do. You're not. Right? You said you'd obey me. I said that if you obeyed me, I'd bless you and all this stuff. So the problem is that the people became idolatrous. They, they started to serve other gods. And this is where the other parts of the other themes uh, that are woven into Isaiah 40 through 55. God keeps emphasizing his supremacy and his, his supremacy as creator. And he keeps mocking idolatry. And he keeps pointing out how futile idolatry is. Why is he doing that? Because he's saying... You trusted an idolatry, and idolatry got you nowhere. I'm the one, and he says, and it's, it reminds you of the book of Job, here in, in uh, chapter 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man shows him his counsel? Who's going to tell me how to, how to run the earth? That's <laughs> what he says. Compare me with your idols. Right? And this was part of the, the curse. You're going to go off to a land that you don't know. You're going to be oppressed, taken into exile. And there you're going to serve gods of wood and stone. Because that's what you really wanted. That's what you wanted. Even though I was your God, I brought you into this land. I, gave, I, I was patient with you. I was long-suffering. I was holding off enemies here and there. And I was protecting Jerusalem. And in the midst of your prosperity, your heart would get drawn to an idol. And so, what am I to do? I have to be faithful to the covenant. And so Daniel, he's the prophet of, of the Babylonian captivity. Right? Daniel is the one who, after the 70 years are passed, says, hey, the 70 years have passed. <laughs> and he's referring back to Jeremiah, who said it was going to be 70 years of captivity to Babylon. 
Daniel 9, verse 3. Then, or verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of the years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Verse 3, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord and I made confession. And what's the gist of his confession? We deserved exile. Exile was an act of faithfulness on your part, God. It was an act of righteousness. You're right. We were wrong. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, including Isaiah, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame. You were right in punishing us. You were righteous. But to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, and all the lands that you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, so that's in our column. In God's column is this, mercy, forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. So he gets it. Daniel gets it at the end of the 70 years of exile. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. We go back and look in Deuteronomy. As he begins to, to bring that covenant renewal to a close, In chapter 30, and when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, which is the plea in chapter 55, come, return to the Lord our God. Now is the time. Call upon him while he's near. If you return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. This is Deuteronomy. They haven't even gone in the first time much less been driven out again 
God knew what he was doing. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you, and the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. I'm not just going to fix things up and make it kind of, you know, patch it over. It's going to be even better. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. And we see this in Isaiah 2. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. Right? He says that about Assyria quite a bit. Hey, you're going you're gonna to rise up. You're going to oppress my people. But then I'm going to have a word to say with you. <laughs> so what, what is, what's the word here? You're going into exile. You've been faithless. It's decreed. Hezekiah, it's not going to happen immediately. It's going to happen to your children. Exile is coming. Then we have this gap. And then the next thing we hear is comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. And it says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. You know what that means? Speak to the heart. Speak to the heart. And so what I want us to hear tonight is is a couple things. Number one, if, if there is idolatry in our lives, it will bring about a curse. Right? If, we, if we lift our hearts to another God, Psalm 16 says, the sorrows of those who follow after another God shall multiply. When sorrows begin to multiply in our lives, we might ask ourselves, is my heart going after an idol? Am I pouring out my life for something that is not the living God, the God who created heaven and earth. If that's been the case in our lives, that's what our sin does. Our sin brings sorrow into the earth. It brings a curse upon our lives. That's the first part of the gospel. Sin, (laughs) the wages of sin is death. And so we find ourselves... Buried in sorrows, we find ourselves, in effect, driven out from the place that God wanted to bring us. We find ourselves far away from the life that he created us to live, the glory that we can bring him. We find ourselves far away from there. And into that that situation, God says, are you ready to listen now? There's comfort. He said, when you call these things to mind, after you've been scattered, after the exile, when you remember that this is just exactly what I said at the beginning, when you remember that, now I'll know that I have your heart. One of the the main things about child training is you do what gets to the heart of your child. And it's different for every kid. But you know when you have their heart. And God says, hey, these punishments, these judgments are coming upon you. Not because I'm angry and I like to see you suffer. Not because I'm trying to show you who's boss. But because I'm trying to speak to your heart. 
I'm trying to speak tenderly to you. My desire is to give you comfort and to give you life. And all of these things, all of these sorrow and all the exile, it's just a, it, it, it serves to circumcise our hearts. It says, when you, when you call upon me after all this stuff has happened and you seek me with your whole heart, I'll circumcise your heart and I'll be able, you'll be tender towards me. And I will be able to speak tenderly to you because it will be heart to heart. And that's what God's after. Get rid of all of the idolatry. Get rid of all the trust in other gods. Will you come back to me? So that's the comfort that God wants to give his people. But it also comes at, the, at a cost. Right? He, he offers us forgiveness. He says your iniquity is pardoned. And you receive double from the Lord's hand for all your sins. Well, this is, this is where, this is where we, we really begin to see the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the Messiah, uh, come, in, come into full view. That even the Babylonian exile wasn't enough to get the people back to where they needed to be. And that grand, that return back into the, the kingdom after the end of the 70 years, that itself was just a shadow of what was to come. Right? And so we also see here in 40 through 55, the suffering servant, the one who's going to come and he is going to be exiled. He's going to be cast out of the city. He's going to be, his blood is going to be shed. And all the ways that scripture points at the way that God's going to deal with sin, those are all going to happen in Jesus. Right? He was driven out. He, was, he experienced exile, separation from the Father, being forsaken of God. Right? All of those things that chapter 53 points out, Jesus did all of that. And so God really can say, come to us and say, comfort. Comfort. Your sins have made a mess. I can now forgive your sins if you will repent, if you will return, if you will, if you will allow your heart to be tender towards me and circumcised. Now, now you can be the kind of people uh, that, I, that I created you to be. But often, it, you know, what the people point out, what the people have trouble with, is that all these bad things are happening. And God's saying, no, what's happening is just a simple if-then. <laughs> That's what's going on. I'm not abandoning you. This is just the way I set it up. This was the, the original terms of the agreement. I haven't forgotten you. In fact, all of these things that have come upon you should prove to you how trustworthy I am. <laughs> if you obey, blessings. If you don't, curses. In this exact form. And that's what Daniel got when he prayed his prayer of repentance, which is one of the, I think, the best examples that we have of honest repentance. Right? Yes, God, you are in the right. I am in the wrong. And I see that, and I turn, and I ask you to forgive me. So that's what I, I want us to hear out of chapter 40 through 55, that the message of comfort comes to someone who knows full well the wages of sin. Right? Otherwise, otherwise, why do you need comfort? If you're already happy and comfortable, you don't, that, that message is, oh, yeah, I'm comfort. I don't need anything. 
But that's not to whom the word of comfort comes. The word of comfort comes to those who have been driven out of their land as a result of their idolatry. Amen? It's good. So, you know, next week we'll look at the end of, uh, the, end of the book, which really gets into the new heavens and the new earth and some of the, the real grand vision of the restoration of all things, which is also, you know, that, that begins to, um, the, the passage that we read this week um, is full of that stuff too. But let me just read, let me read chapter 55. With all of this in mind, um, chapter 55 is so powerful, all right? So this, just hear this, and um, maybe after we're done reading this, Stephen, you can come and pray. And just like last week, maybe we'll just spend some time in prayer, uh, letting the word of God minister to our hearts. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water and he who has no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Part of the curse was that they would have no food, that they would have no money. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. So shall it. So 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 was my word when it went forth from my mouth all the way back in Deuteronomy. It I said it and, and I did it. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that, uh, per, that, uh, that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. This is the people that have come back to God, the people that have been pardoned, the people that have, that have been restored and comforted. They go out in joy and are led forth in peace and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. This gets into Romans 8 where creation itself is eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself is going to be redeemed as you, my people, now go forth into the earth. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorn, the classic curse, the original curse, right, all the way back in Genesis, the the curse on the earth, but also the curse of the Lord's vineyard, 
Thorns, bristles. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And we're going to get further into some of that vision of the redemption of all things. Because God has restored his people. And he has forgiven their sin. And he has uh, made it even better than it was before. An even greater covenant than the one with David. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray. And then, is there a song you want to lead us in? You got a song? Yeah. Amazing Grace. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Amazing Grace. I love it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's spend a little time in prayer and then we can close with that song. All right. Father, I pray that you'd fill us with, um, with humility. Lord, with true repentance. Lord, help us to see uh, the futility of our ways apart from you. Lord, help us to see that sometimes the, um, the calamity that comes about in our life is a result of our failure to, um, to trust you, Lord. And the chaos that can take root Lord, many times that's just the natural way of things and you said it would happen that way and so it did. So Lord, I pray that um, I pray that the word of comfort would come on this body in those places where it's needed. Lord, in those places where truly uh, sin has had an effect on our lives and we know it. Lord, I pray that you'd speak comfort to those areas. Lord, the ways that we have broken our minds by training them in, uh, in negativity, by training them in bitterness, by training them in um, just distracted living, Lord, pleasures. Lord, that you come and speak to us in our, in our, in our futility of our minds and say comfort. You've been living in chaos. Your mind has been going all over the map and you haven't been able to quiet your thoughts. I speak comfort. Lord, where there's been a a strained relationship and it's just consuming us and it's eating us up and we can't figure out a way forward, Lord, whether it's within our family or, or with a friend, Lord, I pray that your word of comfort would come and say, see, see what a mess it is and look at, the, look at the comfort that awaits those who truly see me and follow me and obey my word. Lord, wherever, wherever the curse is found, I pray that your word of comfort would come and pierce the darkness and would, would circumcise our hearts, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that you call us forth to be the people that, that you created us to be. And Lord, in all of that, we thank you that we have. Uh, we have the, the picture of Jesus. We have him. Lord, we see him high and lifted up. We see him as the suffering servant. We see him as uh, the new Adam, the way that we should live life. Lord, we see him as our redeemer. We see him as our salvation. 
And Lord, I pray that, that um, we, would, we would hear the invitation to come and eat of his body, drink of his blood, and receive life. Life that we couldn't possibly pay for. Lord, where there's thirst in our life, where there's poverty in our life, I pray that you would bring the quenching of your Holy Spirit and the riches of your presence, Lord. Thank you for that. minutes to pray on your own. I got going there. I didn't give you any time to pray.